Igniting, inspiring, and evoking the fire within. Keep the faith in that most difficult moment because it truly is, um, you know, going to pass. And it's tough to understand that and embrace it in the moment when your world is, you know, a catastrophe. Um, but you really do have to keep faith that it will pass and, and things will will get better. You're listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Fire. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Today, like always, a very special guest on. He's a podcast host, he's a speaker, a consultant, and a blogger, along with his wife, Sandy, and golden retriever, Euclid, decided to leave their comfort zone in August of 2020 and set out across the USA in an RV. He is Dan Coulter. Dan, how are you today? Very good. Thanks for having me on the show, Fox. We connected a few days ago through a, a site called Podmatch, and I, your story kind of just caught my eye, mainly because... The, I think we're both baseball junkies um, and you really had a lot of gumption to do what you did. Um, it's so it's the new year, 2020, right? You've been running a nonprofit for 30 years, the big vision foundation. And, but you said you needed a, the, there was an impetus for change. What brought on, what thought brought on that change? It was, uh, it was really two solo trips that I took in early 2019, one, uh, one down to the American Baseball Coaches Alliance Convention in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I went to Louisiana and saw some friends and then back home. And about a month and a half after that, I did the same thing to Orlando, Florida. And I, I drove myself both times. And I took my time, probably the first time in my life that I actually took my time getting to a destination. You know, when we ran the organization, we traveled a lot. You know, that was part of our our makeup as an organization as we traveled and played in a lot of tournaments. But man, it was a regimented schedule. You know, it's like, hey, bus is going to be at the old country buffet at eight o'clock in the morning. The kids have an hour to eat. We need to make sure they're back on and pulling out by nine o'clock so that we're at the complex by noon. Um, And then once we get to the complex, they have a certain amount of time to get all their stuff loaded in. And then we've got, you know, activities before we start playing, you know, so everything was always spelled out. And this is the first time that I really enjoyed it. And my mom had done some traveling. She had uh, taken an old 1968 Plymouth Valiant and yanked the back seat out of it and put a sheet of plywood and a, and a mattress in there and, Uh, traveled around the country quite a bit and did a lot of volunteering. And, uh, you know, I always admired her. I loved her story. I loved telling people her story, but at no point in my life did I ever think that it would be my story. And on those two trips, there was kind of an aha moment um, where it was like, you know what, man, I get it. I understand why mom did this. And when I got back, I was in the process of adding 10 new chapters um, to my first book, The Beauty of a Diamond Through the Eyes of a Coach. Um, but, you know, I put in a lot of hours at the complex and it was tough to sit down and write. And when I got back from each of those trips, I had written like I hadn't written in years. And there's just this new inspiration to sit down and, and write. 
And uh, I think that's when it started clicking, but there was kind of an internal battle as well, because I loved doing the work that I was doing. I loved working with kids. Um, you know, I knew we were making a huge, you know, positive impact on these kids. And you know, our philosophy as an organization wasn't just about winning. Um, you know, when we stepped on the field, we were playing to win every time, but it was always about teaching them life lessons through the game and right. really understanding that no matter how good they are as a baseball or softball player, at some point, the game is going to pass them by. And in that moment, you have to be a good human being if you're going to be you know, productive to society. So no one in a job interview is going to care that you went on to play college baseball or even professional baseball and hit, you know, 360 in your rookie season or something. If you can't be part of a team in a corporate environment or a business environment. Um, so that was our big thing. And so it was tough to swallow that pill initially because, um, you know, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into that organization. And it was kind of a, you know, a little bit of a spiritual battle for me because I felt like this was kind of a, you know, a bit of a calling from God saying, you know, it's time for a new chapter. Like you did your work here. It's time to move on. And 30 years is significant, right? Yeah. And, and at that time I had just turned 50. So you're literally talking about 60% of my life I'd put into this organization, you know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, it was a tough, tough decision, but then I, you know, I was on board with it and then I presented my wife with it and, you know, she'd thought I lost my mind initially. Um, but, you know, she had some stuff going on in her professional life as well, where, you know, some doors were not being opened that she thought was going to be opened in her career. And, you know, after a while she came back and was like, you know what, you know, maybe this is all a sign and, and I'm in, let's, let's do this. So we started putting plans in motion to, uh, you know, to do what we did and, uh, 2019 would be my last year with the organization. And then, you know, 2020 rolls around and we, you know, put the house in the market, COVID hits, shuts every, everything down. We got a smoking hot deal on a, on a leftover 2019 RV that we were sitting in the dealership on, uh, the same day that governor Wolf in Pennsylvania was issuing shutdown orders Heck. and taking the house off the market at that point. Um, and think, you know, wondering, or were we completely out of our mind? Um, but yet at the same token, it felt so right as well. So, you know, that's what we did. And that wasn't part of the plan to have an RV payment and continue to have a mortgage payment, you know, sell the house, buy the RV and move on. Um, so, uh, you know, we did that and then things started to open up again with real estate in June. Uh, we had, I think, four showings in the house, three or four showings in the house, and had a sales agreement in place in 10 days after it went back in the market. And then luckily had a rather long settlement. We weren't originally weren't supposed to settle until August 31st, um, but then it ended up moving up to August 14th of 2020, which was really an incredible blessing because it gave us time to, you know, get rid of our stuff and, and do sure. all that. Sure. So. You, uh, you, you wrote in your book that, you know, failure is a myth. And as you said before, I mean, you, you had the, the plan was to do it, you know, in early 2020, but you didn't end up selling your home until August of 2020. Does failure as a myth kind of play into to the, your story of, hey, I'm deciding to, 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 to sell your home and move on in 
say January of 2020, and then I'm not doing it until August of 2020. Because I know, like like you had just said, um, a lot of things went on, right? Uh, uh, something this country has or this world has never seen. How did failure as a myth kind of play in your mind during that time? Um, you know, I think my my days of coaching um, and being part of the game of baseball and softball really helped me with that because, you know, that it's a game of failure and it, it mimics life. And, uh, you know, you got to be willing to make adjustments. So that's why I think when, uh, you know, when things weren't going the way originally mapped them out, um, you know, we weren't necessarily looking at looking at it as a failure. It was just a, you know, a bump in the road as a, you know, a bad at bat or something like that. Um, you know, and I think that's the thing that we always tried to, you know, teach our kids, uh, you know, when they were playing as well as that um, we were either winning or learning, we would say, you know, um, and you never really like failed unless you, unless you didn't learn through that failure. Like that's what, that's what a true failure is. So failure is a myth unless you don't learn from it, you know, because life is, it's about failure. It's about making mistakes. Um, and we can't focus on the mistakes. We got to focus on what we learned on the mistakes and move forward and not make them again. I say this, this, the same thing a little bit differently. Failure as feedback. Yeah. You know, how do we use that to make adjustment on the next pitch, on the next at bat, next play? Um, love it. Love it. I, I like how uh, how you you've used the games of baseball and softball in your life, and really just just to pay it forward. Speaking of paying it forward, you talked about your 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 mother before. How explain more how um, her journey later in life is mirroring what you're doing now? Yeah. So she, uh, you know, when she did that traveling, she did a lot of volunteering. Um, and then when she stopped traveling, you know, full time, um, she went back and actually got a degree in drug and alcohol counseling, but she continued to travel, um, even with that. So if there was a hurricane in South Florida or something, she would go and volunteer with the Salvation Army for, you know, two, three, four weeks, whatever the case was to help with relief efforts. Um, after nine 11, she went up to ground zero. And was up there. I mean, I think her original plan was to be up there for three months. Um, it turned into like six or nine months um, till it was all said and done. And uh, you know, coming from you know my my philosophy of service really came from her at a very young age. I mean, she she was always giving. Um, you know, however that was, whether it was Meals on Wheels, whether it was helping at the Little League concession stand she was always given, whether it was helping a friend change shingles on his house, it didn't matter. So as I was younger, most of the time, if she was volunteering for something, um, I was being dragged along to that, (laughs) whether I wanted to or not, (laughs) you know, so as a young man, it was instilled in me that this is what we do, you know, and my father was very giving as well, although he didn't have the time Um, he was an over the road truck driver, so he couldn't go and volunteer for, you know, four or six hours with something, but he was always more than willing to help out financially where he could. So, you know, I think between the two of them, that's where that kind of volunteer and giving spirit came in. And we always wanted, you know, even when we embarked on this journey, we wanted volunteerism to be a part of it. 
And again, a lot of that was, you know, knowing, you know, mom did it, so we'll be able to do it. We didn't really know how that was going to look when we first left. Um, and then Hurricane Laura came through and we have some friends in Louisiana. Um, so we wanted to get down there and help out. Um, and, uh, you know, we ended up taking a trip down there, um, got sidetracked into Beaumont, Texas, where we ended up in an old juvenile prison, um, which is now a uh, faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. Um, ended up deciding to volunteer there for about a week or so. Um, and that was really fulfilling um, because there is a history of addiction in my family. My sister lost her, her battle to addiction in early 2020. Um, you know, and my sister is one of the reasons why my mom got into drug and alcohol counseling, um, as well as my stepfather was an alcoholic. So, you know, there is this history. So to be able to, to give back to a, to a community that I knew how much they, they needed other people was important. Um, and then we ended up after that, heading back over to Lake Charles, Louisiana and helped out there for, um, for a week as well. And again, it was just so fulfilling. You know, we're, we're working there with people who literally have, have just, you know, their house was literally blown away or washed away, but yet they're still out there giving and working side by side with us because there were others who lost more than what they did, you know? Mm. And it was just incredible to see, you know, we, we talk about how bad things are in our country and society right now, but man, when something like that happens, you see the good. And, you know, to be there and, and just hear these people talk and say, like, you know what, we're going to rebuild, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. And, you know, even though they've just lost, you know, 80% of what they had, they're giving somebody else, you know, 10% of the 20% that they have left, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it was just really incredible. Um, and then after that, again, we didn't really know how we would fill in with the volunteering but as it turned out, we, uh, we connected with a group called A Year to Volunteer, which is an RV-centric volunteer organization. And, uh, you know, they go into state parks and nonprofit organizations and will do a two-week project, um, you know, whether it's rebuilding fences or painting or landscaping, it doesn't really matter. It's just, you know, whatever that particular organization needs done and doesn't have the manpower to, to complete it normally. So, since we've connected with them, um, we've been on four or five projects with them, pieces of four or five projects. And that has really been one of the things that's fulfilled us on this journey is being able to get in those, those situations and give back. We were able to actually go back to Lake Charles, Louisiana again, uh, through a year to volunteer and uh, volunteered at a uh, state park down there, Sam Houston Jones State Park, which had still been closed for almost two years since the hurricanes had had hit because it was just totally devastated and just rebuilt them. And they, they just opened up about a month ago and, uh, you know, we're seeing pictures, you know, some of the members of our group were able to get there and get some pictures. And, you know, we're able to see people using the stuff that we helped rebuild and the community coming back to it. And, um, you know, seeing the community come out while we were there and thank us, they, they, brought meals for us and just the gratitude they had of, you know, this isn't just a state park for us. This is, you know, part of our community. Like, you know, my grandparents brought me here as a kid. I'm bringing my kids here now. 
they'll eventually bring their kids here. So, you know, when you hear Bloodhound. that, you hear what it meant. Yeah. Bloodhound. Yeah. So it's, sure. uh, it was really special. And um, so the volunteering is, is such a huge part of what we do. And it, it's just you know, so rewarding to get out, to get out there and, and give when we can. You've lived a, a lifetime of, of servant leadership, especially since you've, you've graduated high school. And then for the listeners, it's, it's on these author of two books, Dan is, but his, his recent one, that the journey of my mother's son really gets into the, uh, the meat and potatoes of, of, uh, of what you're talking about. Dan, if we go back to August of 2020 um, and you, you set out on the road, What's one thing you would tell your tw- the, the 2020 version of yourself um, if you had to go back? Um, you know, it's just be fluid, you know, um, and that, that's the best part of, of what, we're, what we're doing now is that we can, we can make adjustments. Um, you know, right now we were supposed to be in Colorado at this time. Uh, as far as our regular plan went. Um, sadly, my sister-in-law passed away a little bit uh, Sorry. a couple, couple weeks after we arrived back in Pennsylvania. So we, we were able to be fluid and, you know, we're at our niece and nephew's house now, her former house to just kind of help them get things adjusted till they get moved back in. And under, you know, quote unquote, society's normal circumstances, we probably wouldn't be able to do that. So, you know, we were able to make an adjustment and be fluid and that's been the best thing. I mean, there's been times where, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've been able to, to make a decision to change directions because of a, a need, um, you know, that we didn't really know about initially. And um, it, it's been great. So I think just be fluid would be the thing that I would tell the, the guy jumping in the RV in August of 2020. I like it. Great, great, uh, great life advice. So, so now it's time for you to be fluid uh, in this little game I call what, which, and where, Dan. I'm going to read you a quote um, from somebody uh, you might know or just from afar know very, very well, and you tell us from where it came. Are you ready? Because I don't know if I am, but now I am. The qu- uh, quote number one goes like this, Dan. If you're going to spend your entire life in the grandstand, in my opinion, you're just wasting your life. Who said that? Um, has that been Roberto Clemente? You, you're, you're barking up the right tree. You're barking oh, up the right. Honus Wagner. Uh, you've, you've gone down the tree a little bit. Uh, go, go, go ahead a couple of years. Uh, go ahead about 10 years. In about 10 years. Um, another, uh, or I should say, go ahead. Um, um, rewind about 10 years. Another, another barrier-breaking man in the game of baseball. Um, Jackie Robinson? That is correct. That is correct. I know um, just from reading your book, The Journey of My Mother's Son, uh, you, you reference uh, Jackie Robinson um, quite a few times. And, and people, um, for me, that have had a great impact on my life. I wrote my college thesis on Roberto Clemente, um, and Jackie Robinson is certainly part of that. Just talk about the impact um, that he's had on your life, speaking of Jackie Robinson. Um, you know, I use that quote, uh, a life isn't significant except for its impact on other lives. Um, in every 
you know, it's in the signature block of my email for probably close to 15 or 20 years now. And for me, you know, that, that quote, um, you know, really says it all about life. You know, a lot of times I think we talk about legacy and that sort of thing. And I don't think any of us have just one legacy. I think we literally have thousands of different legacies of every person we interact with in, in life. And, uh, you know, I was always just drawn to Jackie Robinson, um, you know, because not knowing, you know, trying to get my head around what it was like, you know, to be him in that time, um, you know, to be denied the right to play a game he loved for nothing other than the color of his skin um, was, it's just unfathomable to me. And to know what he went through, and again, we only know a fraction of what he went through. Um, You know, how many times, you know, might have, he wanted to walk away and say, it's not worth it. You know, I mean, and to really understand and have that vision that he was, this wasn't just about Jackie. It was about every African-American player that would follow in his footsteps. Um, And then even reaching, you know, the impact on guys like Roberto Clemente, again, you know, not a lot of Latin players at at that time. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, obviously I'm not old enough to have ever seen Jackie play Um, but certainly, you know, reading up on the man that he was even more so than the ball player, um, has just given me a huge amount of respect. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I use that quote. He's the personification of toughness in, in, in so many ways from a personification of toughness. So we'll give, we'll give you one for one on that because you're definitely barking up the right tree. Uh, quote number two in what, which and where Dan goes like this. I guess I'm a trivial pursuit question. It's really weird. Wow. Yeah, now got- we're where you're you know, we're uh, video right now. This will be audio for people uh, that they should know. Uh, Dan is drinking from a Boston Red Sox mug. So if I say that, Dan, what what comes to mind? Um, would we be talking about Ted Williams on that one? I don't know if that game Trivial Pursuit was around when he was was around. Go 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 present day. Go early two thousands. This is a, guy, a kid from Cincinnati. He he could swing it. He could really really swing it, and that's why uh, he made a big league roster. So now I feel bad because I should have known that it was Kevin Euclid. Kevin Euclid, yes. So uh, you have a golden retriever. Uh, name name Euclid. So obviously he he's had a big impact on your life. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So when we first got our, our dog, um, you know, it was during that time um, when Euclid and Pedroia and all those guys were, you know, part of that roster, we we're kind of kicking around what the, you know, what his name should be. And I'd actually met Uke a couple times. Um, I'd gone up to Boston for uh, some of his fundraisers. Um, he'd run an organization at the time, Uke's Kids, and uh, he made a pretty, uh, you know, pretty big impact on me. The one event that I was at, um, another 
mutual contact of ours had uh, had told him that I had driven up from Pennsylvania for this event. And, uh, you know, so I was up in kind of like the VIP area, just hanging out and, you know, taking everything in. And, and uh, you know, he came up to me and personally thanked me for driving, you know, to Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania to his event. Um, so that, that made a, a big impact on me because he didn't have to do that by any stretch of the imagination. It was really funny the way he came up, you know, because he came up and he, you know, shook my hand. He's like, hey, I'm Kevin. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's your event man like i know who you are <laughs> um, but he was very humble and i went to another one of his uh fundraisers for the charity um later on that spring so you're talking six months had gone by and uh he again he came up to me and remembered me and i i again That's it just cool. kind of blew me away that of all the people he had interacted with in his position you know especially going through spring training and all that stuff already that he would have actually remembered me was, was amazing. So we, um, you know, as we were kicking around an idea to, to name the dog, uh, one of our friends suggested, well, you know, how about Eucalyptus? That's you know, a unique name for sure. And we were like, all right, let's, yeah, let, let's do that. And uh, so, yeah, that's how the, the dog got his name. So yes, I did. Uh, I did have a dog that played that was named after a Yankees player for two months. <laughs> Um, but I got games, over it. right 28 games in 2013 yeah so um but you know I did get over that and and we're all good now <laughs> did you give you an alias I did not <laughs> uh, during that time no it, it's cool because you're not talking about his performance on the field you're talking about the the, the man that he is so uh great uh, homage uh, to Kevin Euclid and your golden retriever Uke very very cool um, to, to wrap up, then, you know, according to the book, your latest book, The Journey of My Mother's Son, uh, you've gone 32,000 miles across the country in an RV. And really a lot of your, your work is, really all of it is, that, that I know, is servant leadership. You and your wife um, have, have helped people in these dire situations that have hit rock bottom. What advice do you have for people that have hit rock bottom? I think uh, don't give up hope. Um, you know, there are people out there who are willing to help and, and will help. Um, and just keep the faith in that most difficult moment because it truly is, um, you know, going to pass. And it's tough to understand that and embrace it in the moment when your world is, you know, a catastrophe. Um, but you really do have to keep faith that it will pass and, and things will, will get better. No doubt. Very cool. Because if, you know, I know from reading about you, you know, personal, personally, you, you've been through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations throughout your life, especially recently. Right? Next. We know all heroes don't wear a cape, but if you have the chance to ride, to take a one-hour car ride with one of the following three people, who would it be and why? Would it be Kevin Euclid? Would it be Jackie Robinson? Or would it be Roberto Clemente? <clears throat> I think it would probably still have to be Jackie Robinson as I would love to have an hour to just pick his brain about 
what that was like, what that entire process was like throughout his career. I mean, leading up to his you know career in Major League Baseball. Um, yeah, I think it would still have to be Jackie Robinson for sure. I might have to if it, if it were an Uber, I'd probably pay to get in there too and uh, go there and sit in the back seat and listen to both of you all talk. Very very cool. Dan, empty your pockets. Now, figuratively, do you have any other advice for the listeners? No, I think the advice I have is that you don't have to live in the box that society says you do. You know, just um, living in an RV isn't for everyone. Um, I get that. But um, being free is... So however you can find your freedom, whether it is selling all your stuff and living in an RV or, you know, at the end of our life, you know, no one's going to sit back, you know, what do they say? You only regret the chances you didn't take, right? So, so take the chance. Um, if you fail, you fail, you're going to learn from it and you're going to move forward. Um, so I think that would be the, uh, the main advice I would want to give to my listeners to, to your listeners at, at that point very very cool poignant do you want to share any of your contact information website absolutely so uh yeah they can find all information relevant to myself and our journey at journeymymotherson.com or danclauser.com if that's easier for you to remember they both go to the exact same site and literally everything is there to be found. Um, links to my books, whether you want an autographed copy, uh, you can order it through the website or it'll take you to Amazon for just a regular copy. Um, speaking engagements, consulting uh, opportunities, and my blog and Uke's blog. Uke actually has a blog that, uh, that he writes through his perspective of being a golden retriever on a, uh, a now 38,000 mile trip that we've, that we've been 38. on. Wow. Six since the book was published. Um, so, uh, yeah, everything that you need to know about us can be found there for sure. Very cool. And Clouser spelled C-O-C-L-O-U-S-E-R, correct? Yes. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Dan, this has been a blast. And if we, we do this again, we'll make it a little more baseball centered. How about that? There you go. You can have the, the Red Sox fan and the Yankees fan having a conversation. I, That's I right. Love that. You're looking. Yeah, I guess you're looking at the my my wall. Um, 18 year old me sitting with a, a Jeter and Tory. Very very cool. Someone who I used to be, and them too, uh, and them too. So, but Dan, this has been a, a blast, and I wish you all of the luck in the world on the road. You, Sandy, and Yuke. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate being on the show and, and thank you for uh, grabbing a copy of the book and, and reading it. Really appreciate that. It's a, it's, it's a blast. I, I'm looking forward to, to, to finishing it up. All right. This is it for episode 68 of the What's Your Inspiration podcast. Dan and I will talk at you all later. Take good care. You have been listening to the What's Your Inspiration podcast with Fox Buyer. Because impact on each other is the greatest currency you could ever have.